So the series we're in right now, and uh, if you're visiting, if it's your first time, each uh, individual week is kind of a standalone message, but we're t- this, the title of the series is The Week That Changed the World. And in this week, we're looking at the very last week of Jesus' life. So we're approaching Easter here on our calendar, and uh, we're spending each Sunday leading up to Easter looking at one day. So we started on Sunday, last week we looked at Monday, today we're going to land on Tuesday and what took place in the life of Jesus on the Tuesday prior to the Friday that he'd be crucified. So interestingly enough, there were several things that happened on that Tuesday, several things we could choose from, but what I chose to talk about this morning, or the subject for this morning, I should say, um, was found in three of the four accounts of Jesus' life, and they were instances when he was confronted by some religious leaders, and they were kind of pushing him, saying, what is the most important thing about um, following God? What, what is the key? If you could sum it all up, and, and in this, the last time that Jesus was really going to be able to speak publicly on this subject, he could have said so much, but he just shared this very simple idea about love. And this morning, I've actually asked a friend of mine, to come and speak. Uh, I've known him for many years. He works down in uh, East East St. Louis. He's actually uh, been involved in church planning over the years, but right now, uh, God's kind of got him in this wonderful um, stage of life where he's working with some some people that really need to know the love of Jesus. Uh, He works with some thrift stores down there that he's set up. He works with an organization called Teen Challenge. And because of the subject this morning of the love of Jesus, I wanted him to come and share just from his own experience uh, the idea of the love of Jesus. So would you welcome my good friend, Ray Bauman. Good morning. morning. And my name's Ray Bauman. I'm from Columbia, Illinois, which is uh, south a little bit. And I uh, have church planted down there in uh, Belleville, Illinois. Also started a nonprofit called The Mission. And our uh, tagline for The Mission was, love God, love people, change the world, which is pretty fitting for the series that we're in, because that is actually what happens when you obey the greatest commandment. You know, growing up, I uh, uh, wasn't involved in church much. It wasn't until like the sixth grade my parents drugged me. I had been to Catholic school, so my only context for Christianity was the nuns that would teach me and uh, smack me with a ruler if I was uh, out of line. Um, I don't know if anyone else has been, uh, was disciplined that way as, when they were little. Anyone? Okay. Well, I, I was actually fearful of nuns uh, past the sixth grade because uh, they would tell me to put my knuckles out and, you know, pop me for talking during, during class. So uh, uh, church wasn't something I was ever looked forward to because I, I went like every day during school. It was just like a mass and it was just repetition. So my parents growing up ended up uh, uh, splitting up, and my dad had a co-worker that invited him to church, uh, shared the gospel with him, came to know the Lord, and uh, we started going to church. And I was the, uh, I told the story this, uh, in the first service that I was kind of reluctant. I would uh, get to church, and I'd walk to the convenience store, and I'd grab a bag of Skittles, and I had a, a Skittle game that every time the, the pastor would mention Jesus, I'd eat one, you know. And uh, it was, I had a friend that did the same thing. We'd just, you know, laugh. Oh, Jesus, everybody, you know, we'd eat. And then there was one, one Sunday where 
we, we went almost the whole service without uh, eating a Skittle. We were kind of wondering. We let the pastor know that, hey, you might want to include Jesus a little more in the, in the service because, you know, we were keeping track. You only said it two times, okay? And he, I, I think he hated me ever since. So uh, I think he might have even demoted me in Royal Rangers. Um, so that is like a Boy Scout thing. I don't know if you, uh, you know about that. So... Uh, Anyways, uh, you know, I'm this rebellious kid, sixth grade. I'm also the kid when the, the pastor said, okay, every head bowed, every eye closed. I would just kind of be looking around to see if anyone's getting, getting saved. I don't know. You know, I didn't know what it was. And, and then when it came to my, my mom coming to church, uh, there was an invitation, and she raised her hand, and, you know, I'm kind of nudging her like, okay, this is great, you know. Uh, won't you go down? And, and, and she's mad at me for not closing my eyes and bowing my head. And, uh, and I'm mad at her for not responding and going down and uh, receiving Jesus. So um, it wasn't too much longer that uh, she accepted the Lord and uh, my parents got back together, which is a, a miracle. And at that time, you know, I'm like fifth, sixth grade and my parents decided to have a whole nother family. You know, it was kind of like a second marriage for them. I've got a little brother that is 21 years younger than me, which, uh, you know, uh, is pretty unique because I have a son that's four years younger than him. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little joke on uh, uh, my parents for sure. So, hey, it's great to be here with you. I love your pastors. We've been friends for a long time, and it's uh, my privilege to come and share the word with you. And uh, especially this, this part of the series about God's love and talk about the greatest commandment. So uh, in Matthew twenty two thirty four through 40 is the text we're going to uh, be in this morning. And you'll see it behind you. You know, hearing that Jesus had silenced, silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Yeah, you know, they're trying to throw him a curveball. They're, they're not really convinced that he's the Messiah. They're, they're trying to shut it down. They're, there's some miracles that happen. They're kind of pushing it to the side. There's, there's probably some, some racism here as, as he's a Jew. And, you know, what would, a, what would, what would he know, a, a man from Nazareth? There's, uh, this is just such folly that's going on with people following him. He, he's not the real deal. But the way he answers he, he really puts, he silences them. And, and these are the, 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 the Mr., you know, the, the lawyers and the, the, the people of high esteem, the, the, the teachers of, of the time when it comes to the law. And Jesus replies to them, love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. It's one of the most important questions ever asked. And he, he, he defines it for us because it can be boiled down to one, one word, and that is love. You know, our affections are, uh, there is a battle for our affection. And, and the greatest commandment is to give all of our affections to Christ, to God. And secondly, to our neighbor. Man, we look at Matthew and Jesus answers the question amongst the hostile crowd. And he does so in a way that puts everything in perspective. You know, it's not how, how you should be behaving. 
It's about focusing your affections on Christ and one another. It is so awesome to see uh, the gospel work in someone else's life. You know, when, when you share your hope in Christ and see, see the Holy Spirit kind of work in someone as you've told them about your hope and uh, what Christ has done for you and how you have freedom, freedom from sin uh, and repentance and see that kind of go on. You know, it's, the, uh, it's a beautiful thing if you are even the last Christian on this planet, the same DNA inside of you, the love of Christ, would start the movement all over again. Think of that. It's, it's magnificent. It's almost like uh, unbelievable that, uh, how the power of the gospel works. It is, uh, we've been shown such great love it's almost like a conspiracy theory. How can it be? How can it be possible? How can we find freedom? Uh, you know, all other religions is about what you, what you do for God to get status. Christianity is about what Christ did for you. And we respond to that with love back. In Romans 13, 9, 9 through 13, it says this. The commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. What, whatever other command that there may be summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is a fulfillment of the law. Our love should be directed toward God and toward others. You know, you want... Well, when you think about sharing love, think about uh, how do you impact people around you that don't know Christ? You know, when I church planted probably six years ago, and, and really, I uh, gospel planted, and the church was evident of that. So when I, when I told our core group, hey, we need to love our neighbors in such a way that it demands a gospel explanation, so if, if you would move out of the neighborhood, would anyone even miss you? It really begged uh, a question for each of our, our people in our, in our church about, man, what, what can I intentionally do better to be a, a better neighbor in my neighborhood, to be a better parent on the sports team or uh, a better employee at work? Um, what can I do that if, if I wasn't there, would, would people even miss me? Like if your church just decided to stop next week, would anyone even miss Connect Church? That has to be our, our question. Are we bringing such value and such love to a community that it, it, people stand back and go, wow, there's something there. There's something there. I want to know why. You know, when I decided to open a thrift store down in the, the, uh, the most dangerous city in America, East St. Louis, People asked why, and that's really how I got a lot of our supporters and, and, and donors uh, to go down there because we decided we're going to go down there, we're going to be a hand up instead of a handout. We sold, uh, we sell cheap clothes and furniture, and we do this thing every year called Affordable Christmas where we, we, uh, we collect brand new toys, we invite families in, and they can buy toys for like 10 cents on the dollar, and it really gives them dignity. 
instead of just handing them stuff and they have to say thank you and feel like they're taking advantage of us, they've come to a thrift store and they've bought things at a discount and, and they have wrapped it up and they have chosen it for their child and it is just a beautiful piece. It's, it's more like we're secretly giving benevolence. So we will collect toys through uh, the, in, in uh, October and November and we'll turn our thrift, thrift store into a toy store. And we'll open on a Saturday and have people come and shop. We'll have gift wrapping. And it is a, it's a beautiful thing to help people provide their kids a Christmas that would uh, otherwise not have a Christmas. So th- there's something that we came up with. Hey, what can we do to like love people that would uh, be a blessing and that people would ask, why in the world would you do such a thing? You know, this is... Uh, our love extends as far as we know how we've been loved. So we have to, uh, when you get in the word and you read the story of, of this week and what Christ went through for us and our sin, uh, we should be overwhelmed. We, it's like a, a warm embrace. It's a hug to know that you're loved, you're accepted, not because of what you do, but because of what Christ has done. And in your brokenness, only Christ can make you complete. And he specializes in, in uh, using broken people. I've always said he, he makes straight lines with, with crooked sticks. And to see uh, uh, those people that say, Lord, hey, use me. I, I'm here. You know, there's been a couple times in my life where uh, the Lord has had me let go of things for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of loving people, to be obedient and walk through the next stage in life. One of those was selling my house. I had married into a contractor's family and we, uh, we built a, a house that I searched for a certain lot facing the sun a certain way and had it exactly, I thought this was the, man, I'm gonna sail in the sunset with this baby. And the Lord said, hey, I want you to plant. I, wa- I want you to move. And I was like, ugh, you know, ugh. You know, no one values this house the way I value it because I put it together. I know what's in it. But we put a sign in the yard. And, and it was, uh, I, I still sometimes drive by and go, well, there it is. You know, that's, I, you know, I built that thing. Uh, but the Lord had me let go. Uh, another time to let go is when I church planted. And we were going down a road where the church was growing and we started transitional housing at the same time and had, we had uh, been housing guys coming out of uh, rehab and both were kind of growing. And it was looking down like two barrels of a gun at the same time, it was tough. And the Lord said, you know what? Uh, I've equipped you to do this. So won't you step out in faith and continue pushing that forth? So I, I had a group of people that I just kind of fell in love with, had been in community with, they were family and I had to kind of separate. And uh, it was a, a beautiful and a hard thing at the same time. But looking back, I see God's hand in the whole thing. And I saw our transitional housing ministry kind of flourished where we, we went and bought a house. And the Department of Corrections was sending us guys. And we were letting them live there uh, for about 90 days uh, to 120 days. And they would work at the thrift store help them get a job, get back on their feet. And in about four and a half years, we had probably 42 men, 40, I think 41 men uh, come through. 
And, uh, you know, I can see if I, if I wouldn't have given my attention uh, there, that wouldn't have happened. There again, you know, uh, people are asking, why in the world would you take guys, you know, what, what do you think you're going to do? Uh, what, what's your success rate, you know? And uh, it demanded an explanation. It demanded a, a why. Why in the world would you take a guy and come out, aren't you scared, you know? And I'm, hey, uh, I just got, the Lord keeps me prayed up when you're, you're dealing with some guys that, uh, especially when you bring them all in one house, uh, there's some conflict. Someone ate someone's Fritos and they call me in the middle of the night. Hey, you need to get over here and, you know, straighten somebody out. Like, okay, you know, I, I felt like a foster parent to, to 40-year-old men is what it, what it boiled down to. And I'm, I'm giving disciplinary actions and, and trying to keep things straight. But once again, the Lord had, had been working on each and every one of those men as they've been, uh, as we shared the gospel with every one of them. You know, we were there. They had no one else. No family would take them in because they'd burnt every bridge. You know, uh, they had no friends that were coming uh, to their aid. We were it, the mission thrift store. So as we did that for four and a half years, uh, the Lord brought some calamity into our life with, with the city and what we were doing. And, and Teen Challenge came along and said, hey, we'd love to join forces so just recently, we have merged our, our, our ministry with Teen Challenge, and I know Teen Challenge is pretty close by, and some of you have probably heard of it before, uh, a 13-month resident program where we can house, house guys who are uh, uh, dealing with addiction. We have their, their utmost attention for 13 months to proclaim hope, proclaim love, uh, give them a, a brotherhood, a community of, of guys who are dealing with the same things. And you know, it's about month six that we see clarity of mind and that they, they, they feel a value of Christ's love uh, through, through the word and the scriptures. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Once again, it, it demands a gospel explanation. You know, John, in the book of John, John 15, 12 says, my commandment is love each other as I have loved you. Man, that is a supernatural thing. Because in, in our society, we're very self-centered. We're very me-focused. Uh, when you do something outside of your comfort zone for another person, uh, man, it is a bright light in a dark room. Kind of what I'm facing right now. It is, it demands uh, an explanation. And, and I told this story in the, in the first service, which I, is so fresh, like a week old. I'm sitting over coffee, and I'm still amazed at how this has all come around. I have a friend, he's in his 40s, and has a, his best friend in high school has not talked to him in 20 years because he had uh, dated his friend's girlfriend, when they broke up and uh, his buddy got back with his girlfriend, married her, but he doesn't talk to him at all. And a year ago, it was like a prayer request in our small group. Man, I got this friend. I'm trying to get him to church. He doesn't talk to me at all. I'm trying to figure out how to get in there. And we're all like, let's pray for him. You need to kill him with kindness. You know, uh, we're all trying to find avenues of how, how he can mend the relationship. I mean, he was having sleepless nights knowing that this guy 
had these ill feelings for him. Well, he was driving down the road and passed the guy on the car on, on the back roads. And the guy just went ahead and gave him the finger. And he got on the phone, called him up. We got to end this right now. Like, what is a matter with you? Why can't, you know, why can't you put things behind? And let's turn, I'm turning around right now. We're going to sell this right here. So he turns his car around. They're back roads at Columbia, Illinois, which is kind of farm country. And he pulls his car out. They get out and they're standing toe to toe. He goes, if you have a problem with me, let's sell it right now. And he kind of had a feeling that he was going to have to take a punch. And here it came, the guy reared back, punched him square in the lip. And he's telling me the story, and he goes, you got to see this, man. I took a selfie, and he shows me the picture, big fat lip. And uh, I said, holy cow, you know, and he's telling me a story, and I'm just intently listening. He goes, yeah, we were rolling on the ground, getting dirty wrestling, and a police car pulled up. I said, what are you guys doing? Ah, uh, we're just two friends, you know, uh, messing around. You know, they didn't want to get in trouble. So police are like, hey, well, you guys knock it off. And he, he, he drives past. So they, they get into it. And uh, my buddy is, is like, ever since that day, the communication lines have been opened. Not only opened, but he's been able to share the gospel with him. And this guy has been digging in the word and asking questions. And now their wives our friends, their kids. This was something that uh, this guy would not even let his kids participate in like baseball because my buddy's kids are in baseball. It was that, it was that just built up. And my buddy took, I told him, you took a punch for Jesus. <laughs> you took a punch for Jesus. And to see the Lord work in that. And, and uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, and you know what? There, I bet in the next month or two, this other couple is gonna be plugged in to our, our body there in Columbia, and they're gonna be, uh, it'll be, you know, the next time that I'm able to uh, come and fellowship with you guys, you'll hear some more of that story. But it is, it's awesome to see God work like that. Amen? It's like, uh, he, he, yeah, he does work in, in ways that we never think. You know, I've, I've never taken a punch for the Lord. It was close, uh, very close. When we were close, closing up the store one night in East St. Louis, I was down there, and the guy knocked on the door, and he goes, hey, I left my wallet inside. And I wasn't thinking. And, and right when I tur turned the key and opened, I thought, you know, I left his wallet. I don't get, and the guy reached in and tried to grab me. And I closed the door on his arm. <laughs> and, and he quickly let go because <laughs> I think the blood circulation was going off. And he started cussing at me like crazy. And his, something in his eyes, I thought, man, this, this guy might be demon possessed. I don't know. But if he doesn't let go, he might lose his arm because I'm pulling in on the, on the door and, and he might lose his arm. So uh, he let go and got off. And I was like, what in the world just happened? Like, and I'm kind of rethinking like, I am in a dangerous place. <laughs> you know, thankful for the Lord's protection and his, and his guidance and uh, his protection. And uh, when I tell my wife that story, she's not quite as outgoing. She's like, she'd rather be under the covers watching Hallmark, you know, a lot of the time and just praying for ministry outside uh, of the four walls. But uh, uh, she's like, you're, you're nuts. Like you're down there uh, in, in a dangerous place. And I'm just like, you know, the Lord called us here. If uh, he'll equip us, he'll protect us. So we're going to uh, keep, keep going. You know, there was a time when uh, there's a local Walmart, right? right by us, and someone uh, started opening fire, uh, gunshots, and 
you know, everybody's kind of, when you hear a gun, gunshot, you kind of duck down, down there. And we all ducked and closed the door and locked the store door. Uh, and just another, like, it's dangerous. We know, but we know that the gospel needs to go in those type of places. And the love of Christ has to go in those type of places. And, and it demands a gospel explanation when you go and you put yourself in front of that. Because, you know, uh, that response is our response of loving God, loving others, and changing the world. You know, our gift of salvation uh, that the Lord bestows on us for what he did on the cross during this week is, is so sweet. We should never get tired of hearing that, that the price that was paid for us. It, it, it is a, a beautiful thing to hear how much God loves us because that's how uh, we, we respond and how we, we love the Lord is, is just obeying his commandments through that. It is, a, it is our walk and our journey that we do it together, that we fulfill the mission of Christ. And that is to, uh, uh, to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, I'm challenged with that uh, every day. It's, it's, it's not a, uh, uh, something that's a habit. We have to intentionally say, you know what, I'm going to serve I'm going to serve today. And and our busy schedules get us so one-way focused that we have to kind of withdraw and say, you know, I'm going to make some time to be be engaged with those around me. And you'll see uh, God's hand all over the place when you do that. Um, You know, we love God because he first loved us. And we uh, we were rescued from our sin. Rescued. You think of someone who's been been rescued, they have a story of, uh, of the event. Our story is the, of the event of Christ rescuing us and, and forgiving us of our sin and our brokenness and our, our, our missing, kind of missing peace. You know, when I, when I uh, decided to be intentional about getting to know some people, I decided to join the YMCA. And I joined the YMCA because I had this event coming up. It was called uh, Girls on the Run. And I wasn't a runner at the time, and I had heard my daughter was super fast, and I had to run with her. So I thought, you know what? I got to get in the Y, get on the treadmill. I get in the treadmill, and I'm thinking about being intentional with Christ's love. I meet this, uh, this gentleman. He's about 65. I start talking to him. He's like, hey, I come here every morning at 8 o'clock. I thought, you know what? I'm going to come here every morning at 8 o'clock. Uh, work out for 40 minutes. Get to know this guy. I get to know him. We get coffee beforehand. Start talking about life, kids. You know, he's my dad's age. And I start sharing the gospel. I invite him to church. He shows up. And then I tell him the story. Hey, you know what? I told people at my church that I was going to go to the YMCA. And I was going to go meet some people so I can invite them to church. And you're that guy. And to, he- and to see just the the eyes water up because he has such a uh, uh, sense of community now in, in the fellowship of believers and is loved by Christ and the gospel and has found uh, s- salvation. Um, 
man, it is, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I didn't know him before I even went. You know, it's, it's the 2020 hindsight of looking back and saying, man, Lord, Lord you knew the whole time. Uh, and, and I know you were pursuing, his name is Mick, uh, pursuing Mick uh, even before I, I was introduced to him. And he pursues all of us that way. He sends people into our lives to be an encouragement, sends, sends people in our lives to be a help. And you know what? He wants you to make yourself available to be part of that plan, part of that mission, part of his love for other people because it's, a, it's awesome to watch the gospel work in people's lives. You know, it, it may take a, a, a major disaster or a trial in your life to, to bring you at his feet, but whatever it takes, it's always a beautiful picture. You know, I had a, a, a time in my life where my son had been in the hospital, fallen off his bike. He severed his small intestine with the handlebar on his little BMXer, you know, bike. He was doing some trick, and we stayed in the hospital for over 30 days. We had a hospital bill of about $450,000, and uh, to see people kind of come around us and love us and serve us and and care for my family. It was a, a picture of community, gospel community, a picture of God's love, and really showed me how to love people that would be in, in, in those situations. And uh, it, it boils down to people being obedient, to go and to love, go and to respond, uh, let their love for God be shown in their love for others. And that's what God calls us in this week is the greatest commandment to go. Go and be such a part of the community that it demands a gospel explanation. Love people in such a way that if, if you didn't exist, they would, they would miss you in, in that context, whether it be at work, in your neighborhood, on the sports team, on the, in school, whatever it would be, have an impact and, and be intentional with, with the gospel. Because there are a lot of people hurting that have a void uh, when it comes to, to knowing Christ. And, and, and we can't be intimidated. We can't keep minding our own business. Uh, God calls us to go uh, into other people's business and proclaim his hope, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, it's humbling to know the price that you, you, uh, uh, you paid for our salvation. Lord, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see uh, people gather uh, for the gospel. Lord, as we, we come together today, I pray you'd uh, encourage those that are here with, uh, with your mission to love you and to love their neighbor. Lord, I pray that you would empower those that are here this morning to, uh, to go with boldness with the proclamation of the gospel. Lord, you know everyone here has, has someone that has come to mind that, that needs to be loved in, in, in such a way that um, they would beg to ask why. Lord, I pray as we go into our families, uh, into our schools, into our workplace, and we proclaim and we love uh, the uh, 
the way you've called us to, Lord, we'd see massive transformation. Lord, I, I just thank you for this body. I thank you for the pastors here as they guide and they direct uh, Connect Church, that, Lord, you'd bring mighty blessing. They would have mighty impact in this community, Lord, that you would be glorified and, and the stories of, of redemption would never get old and they would be plenty. Lord, we pray in your mighty name. Amen.